Tagovailoa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Cologne looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one! Deep left field! That goes Upton! Back near the wall! It's out of here! <laughs> Bartolo has done it! There's only one word that comes to mind. Greatness. What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. Another week of football, you know what that calls for, the weekly predictions episode. And this week, we're not just doing college football or the NFL, but we're doing both. And when I say we, I refer to my guest this episode, Mr. Cooper Leda. Cooper, how are you doing? What's going on? I'm pretty good. How are you? I am great. Um, ready to talk some football. I feel like that's always my answer whenever I ask someone how they're doing. They say good. They ask me, and I say good, ready to talk some football. And you know why that is? Because you're ready to talk some football. Let's go. I'm ready to talk some football. Best part uh, of the week. Yes, sir. So we can start off with college. Obviously, you know, there is a Thursday night game, but my thought is that college is Saturday, NFL is Sunday. That seems fair, right? Yeah. It seems fair. Um, first game of the week, big one, number 12, Notre Dame on the road, uh, number 18, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, I have is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, so Notre Dame's been in a lot of close games to start this year, and I don't particularly like Wisconsin. I don't, I don't know how I feel about Graham Mertz. I go back and forth. We've seen some great stuff from him. We've seen some up-and-down stuff, though, as well. And um, this was a tough game for me to pick, to be honest, because I could see either team blowing the other team out. I'd be surprised if it was close, but I ended up going Wisconsin minus five and a half. Yeah, in the end, this is a this was challenging because I feel like in general, there's a lot more that I've liked from Notre Dame based on what they've done. Um, obviously, Wisconsin also having a bye week last week um, and only playing Eastern Michigan after uh the Penn State game, which no offense to Eastern Michigan to our recurring guest and friend, Jacob Duncan, <laughs> but we don't know that much about Wisconsin versus Notre Dame. Maybe we don't know that much about them. We have three games. We've seen what they can do. Um, and I think, honestly, this is the kind of game where I think maybe if it was at Notre Dame, I'd take Notre Dame because I like what they have on the offense. I think Jack Cohn solid. He's going back to Wisconsin in this game, maybe a revenge game. Uh, Kyron Williams running back. The big tight end, uh, Michael Meyer. But overall, I like Wisconsin at home. That's the biggest thing is I think these are two similar teams. And for all the talent that Notre Dame has, they've played three close games against teams that they are much superior to. Florida State only beating Toledo by three, taking a while to pull away against Purdue at home. So I think in general, that home field advantage plays to Wisconsin. I think their defense, you know, for their offensive struggles week one, their defense didn't struggle. They held Penn State to 16. Um, I think they'll be fine in that regard. I think Graham Mertz is going to play better. It's hard to play kind of worse than the, that first week and how he started. Um, I'm going to take Wisconsin. I'm going to take Wisconsin 26-20, uh, which would cover that five and a half. I think you could even see it more low scoring in the teens, but um, I like Wisconsin. Yeah. Should I give it a score too, like each time I do it? Yeah, sure. All right, I'm going to say – 30 to 20 Wisconsin. Go Badgers. Go Badgers. Um, another ranked matchup. This one, number seven, Texas A&M, five and a half point road favorites against number 16, Arkansas, the Razorbacks into the top 25. 
Yeah, Arkansas has this like gauntlet of the next four weeks that I keep seeing every time I open Instagram. It doesn't look like it's going to be very fun for them, but I do think they're going to pull out one or two at least of those four games. And I think Texas A&M is one of them. And honestly, I don't know either of these teams super well. I'm excited about Arkansas, though. Five and a half, great line. And I'm going to roll with the Hawks, baby. Come on now. Yeah, Arkansas, that's what you mentioned. What he alluded to is Arkansas's next four games. Congrats on entering the top 25. What you get for that and moving into the top 20 to number 16 is you get to play number seven, Texas A&M. That one they get in Fayetteville. Then you get to go on the road against number two, Georgia. Uh, Then on the road at number 13, Ole Miss. And then to cap it off, you get to host Auburn. So talk talk about a gauntlet for Arkansas. And I think that they will probably end up squeezing one or two out of this. Uh, but I don't think that it's this one against Texas A&M. You know, I think there's a fair argument for it to be because Texas A&M is down their starting quarterback, Haynes King. And uh, the offense just hasn't looked great under uh, Zach Calzada against New Mexico. They won 34 nothing, but he still, you know, wasn't the most accurate, still threw an interception. And if you watch that A&M versus Colorado game, that was, that was some of the most – horrible football I've watched such an anemic offense he was 18 of 38 183 yards and only a touchdown um so I don't I don't think that this Texas A&M offense is going to be great in that sense but I love their running game you got Isaiah Spiller leading it um and I think ultimately they have the weapons to get it done and hold off this Arkansas team um the second running back Devon I believe it's I don't want to butcher the a chain Devon, I don't, I don't know how to say it, but you got him receivers. I mean, Weidermeyer, Smith. Uh, we saw, uh, you know, Demon Demas uh, or De- Demond, the wider, the fr- the freshman receiver. He's gone viral for like dunking and being ridiculously athletic. He had his first touchdown last week. Um, I think ultimately Texas A&M is just the more talented team, and that doesn't always mean that they win. Um, but I think in the first big test for Arkansas um, in SEC play, uh, I like I like Texas A&M. But in that same regard, Arkansas, look, they got uh, KJ Jefferson at quarterback. He's he's looked fine so far, but I don't think I haven't seen enough from him from that offense to lead me to say that they're going to upset the number seven team, Texas A&M. Uh, they're leading rusher, though, former ASU running back Traylon Smith. Good for them. And I think in the end, Arkansas will win some of these games, but I think that this is going to be a bit of a reality check. I have Texas A&M. I have them covering 27-17 Aggies. Leads us to a Big Ten matchup. Rutgers goes on the road at number 19, Michigan, where Michigan is a 19-point favorite. Yeah, this was another one that was kind of difficult for me to pick because I really do like Michigan's backfield. And that's as an Ohio State fan who loves to hate on Michigan. So I think that this Michigan team is going to score a lot of points, probably put up a lot of running yards. But I also think 19 is a really big spread for a team that scored 60 points a couple weeks ago, scored 45 last week or the week before. Yeah, 45. Yeah, and then they beat Syracuse too, right? I know it was one of the ACC teams. And Rutgers has looked great this season. So 19 is a lot. For that reason, I'm going to take Rutgers plus 19, let's say like, 35 to 20 or something like that. I don't think it'll be a great game. I think Michigan will win pretty handedly, but I don't really see a way this team doesn't cover 19 points. Yeah, I think kudos to Rutgers for their hot start. I think you got to give a lot of credit um, to Greg Schiano doing a good job, you know, rebuilding this team. It's kind of crazy. Rutgers, you know, still 
bottom half of the uh, Big Ten overall. And it's not, you know, not to the point where they're considered prestigiously. But look, this is a program that is competing now. It was only a couple years ago that Michigan beat them like 72 nothing or something ridiculous. That's not going to be this game. Uh, quarterback, they finally found a guy, uh, Noah Vidral. He's not turning the ball over. That's important, being efficient. Um, you know, I think they could use to run it a little more Isaiah Pacheco. I believe he's a junior. Junior. He got. I never. He's been there playing for a while because that's the thing about a lot of these Rutgers guys is they played early on uh, because some of these teams were so bad, give guys opportunities. But in the end, I think mm-hmm. Michigan has just looked phenomenal. Um, Blake Corum, Hassan Haskins, the running game has been incredible, and I think that's where they're just going to bully Rutgers. I don't think Rutgers is going to have an answer for that. Um, and then they could even roll into some play actions. Cade McNamara's looked good. They haven't asked much of him, but he's done his job. Uh, all in all, I think Michigan is going to cover this. I think it's going to be close, though, because that's a lot, uh, 19. But I have him winning by three touchdowns, 41-20 blue. Uh, ACC matchup, number nine, Clemson, 10-point road favorites against NC State, the Wolfpack. I'm going to be there in the flesh. Real excited to see that. Um, not Actually, I don't know if excited is the word because I can't say that I feel even okay about it going in. I think we're probably going to lose by 40, even you know in Raleigh here at Carter-Finley. I just I don't really like what I saw from this state team when we played Mississippi State a couple weeks ago on the road. I really like what we put up against USF and against Furman, but I, I don't think we're on. I don't see us covering versus Clemson. I think DJ is going to come out, smack us around on offense, probably put up about 45, 50 points, and I'm going to say they cover, win 45-21. Go Pack, though. Go Pack. Mm. Um, yeah. This is a combination of two teams that have been disappointing thus far, but for different reasons. Because when you're talking about Clemson, Clemson's loss was to Georgia, who's a top five team in the country. Um, they lost. They didn't even – the defense didn't even give up a touchdown. I, have they – they have not given up a touchdown yet, I'm looking at. Because against, against Georgia Tech, it was two field goals and a safety. They gave up three points to SC State. And the Georgia touchdown was a defensive touchdown. So the Clemson is still not given up a touchdown, which is ridiculous. And that yeah, maybe we're not going to score 20. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, you never know, though, because that's the thing. This Clemson team, for all the greatness of their defense, the offense has been horrific. Um, mm-hmm. Even against Georgia, against any team, it's inexcusable to only score three points. They scored 49 on uh, – South Carolina State, but it, they didn't even do – when you look at it yardage-wise, uh, DJ Uyengalele didn't even throw for that many yards. They didn't do that much. Running-wise, um, one of their top running backs, senior Lynn J. Dixon, uh, entered the transfer portal earlier this week. And then they played Georgia Tech. They scored 14 points. Um, so I'm concerned about Clemson in the long run. I think on the road against the NC State team that I – thought going into the year would be pretty solid, could be one of the better ACC teams. Uh, their loss to Mississippi State was horrific. They lose by two touchdowns to a Mississippi State team that I don't think is that good. Yeah, um, one of them was garbage time, too. It was it was a blowout, to be real. Yeah, and I, so you know, Devin Leary, I think, you know, he's an upgrade from when he's healthy, they're a better team. We saw that last year. They were successful, and he was in there. Uh, and they have some talented running backs, but – it's just hard for me to take them with the way that they're playing. And I think 
Clemson can cover this. Um, I'll say that NC State scores the first touchdown on Clemson, but Clemson wins 31 to 13. Um, next game, we have 14 Iowa State, seven and a half point favorites against Baylor. Yeah, this is another interesting game. Baylor hasn't looked horrible this year. They've put up a lot of points the last couple of weeks. Um, I remember they had a close game week one against somebody in in the – who was it? Do you remember who they played week one? Texas State. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, barely won that game. But other than that, I'm pretty sure they've been beating everybody by like 30, 40-plus points. But uh, it's just hard for me to bet against Iowa State, against any unranked team with a spread this small. I think seven and a half is just too easy for Brock Purdy and the offense to cover. And – Again, another like game I'm not exactly like super, super in the loop on, but I would have Iowa State covering here seven and a half. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, for the fact that, look, Iowa State's two and one, they haven't looked great overall. They played, they beat Northern Iowa 16-10. That was too close. Um, Purdy and Brees Hall didn't look incredible. The loss to Iowa was deflating. Purdy was horrible. Um, then they beat up on a not great UNLV team that didn't even have, you know, they were lot, had lost a couple quarterbacks. But for all of that, Baylor's 3-0 was a close game to Texas State, who Texas State, let's look at Texas State. Texas State is not is not going to be a good team. And they blow, they blew out Texas Southern and Kansas. So, sure, they're 3-0, but not all 3-0s created equal. I think Iowa State will handle this game fairly easily. Um, I have Iowa State winning 38 to 13. Next, we have Georgia State on the road at number 23, Auburn. Auburn, just shy of a four touchdown favorite, sitting at 27. Mm-hmm. This is another one that's hard to bet, you know, because I think Auburn is going to win this game pretty handedly. But I don't know if it'll be by 27 or by 24 or by 30. But my gut tells me I'm taking Auburn minus 27 to cover. 47 to 17. That's my score prediction. Yeah, that's what I included this game. Obviously, when if you don't see the likes of like number one Alabama, number two Georgia, it probably means that they're playing a very bad team that they are going to win. And it's not it's not worth our while to discuss. I included this one because um, Auburn's coming off an emotional loss on the road against Penn State. And mm. I'm in, I'm just kind of intrigued to see what they look like. Uh, when you look at this Georgia State team, they got blown out by Army. They got blown out by North Carolina, and then they managed to win over Charlotte. So I think ultimately Auburn will win, and I think they will cover this 27. Um, I have it 55-14 Auburn. But this is just a game to monitor to see how Brian Harson's team responds to adversity because they were scoring 60 easy their first two games. They get punched in the mouth against Penn State. How do they respond going into SEC play? Um, right, definitely okay. Auburn covering here. Gosh. Next, we got a Pac-12, 24 UCLA, five-and-a-half-point favorites against Stanford. Yeah, I'm going to go UCLA here. Anytime I see a, a Pac-12 slate like this, um, it's hard for me not to bet on UCLA when they're favored by less than a touchdown. And I don't think that um, – shoot, I don't think Stanford is – can we? Can you like delete this part? I just fumbled my words so bad. No, you're. Let's go. You're fine. Don't worry. Um, I don't have enough information on this game, but I'm going with UCLA minus five and a half. That's my pick. Don't coop. Don't worry. If if you've listened to any of these, even through the course of this one, I fumble yeah. all the time. The key <laughs> can't care. I'm just you know you know this. I'm a really really big NFL guy. I'm into some of the college stuff. 
don't know no. as much about the Pac-12. Don't worry. No worries, Coop. No worries. Um, this one, UCLA five and a half on the road. Stanford's so weird because week one, they were horrific against Kansas State offensively. Then they go out and beat USC by a couple touchdowns. Then, you know, they took care of Vanderbilt, but what does that tell us? Um, it does tell us definitely that Tanner McKee is their guy at quarterback. Um, and look, they've looked good the last two weeks, but ultimately UCLA coming off a tough loss against Jake Hayner uh, in Fresno State. I think that they're going to bounce back. I think you got the dangerous backfield of uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Zach Charbonnet. Um, I think that this will be an interesting game. I don't think it'll be like a blowout, but I have UCLA winning 34-23. You just never know in the pack. Next, we have Tennessee against number 11, Florida. Florida, 20-point favorite. Yeah, and Florida looked like the real deal in that Alabama game, that's for sure. It's hard for me to to not take any sort of spread like this for them after we saw them keep it close with the Crimson Tide. So I'm going to take Florida minus 20 here to probably blow out Tennessee by even more than that. I'm going to say it's 30-ish. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Tennessee sitting at 2-1 and one with the one uh, Power 5 team that they played. They lost to Pitt. And, you know, they started off Joe Milton at quarterback. Now it's um, the former Virginia Tech signal caller, Hennon Hooker. Um, I, I don't think this is a great Tennessee team as kind of expected. And Florida looked a lot better. Um, they hung in with Alabama despite, you know, Emory Jones looked a little shaky the first two weeks. Overall, they played well. They ran the ball good. Um, hopefully we get to see Anthony Richardson, who despite missing last game is still their leading rusher on the year. Um, I think Florida will be fine. They'll they'll have a handle of uh, handle. They'll have a big win and handle Tennessee, forty to fifteen, Florida. Um, next one, Nebraska versus number twenty, Michigan State. The Spartans five point favorites. Yeah, and Michigan State's another team that's just had an insane start to the year when it comes to running the football. And I don't see this Nebraska defense stopping Kenneth Walker at all, really. I have Michigan State covering this one pretty easy, I'd say, by a couple of touchdowns. But Nebraska is just a hard team to predict, you know, based off what we've seen this season. They kept it close with Oklahoma. We saw them lose to Illinois. It's just it's hard to know what you're going to get with them. I think they're going to lose. Give me Michigan State 35 to 21. Yeah, this is a it's a weird matchup. I definitely have Michigan State in this. But it's just weird because I don't think we know we, – we don't know what we have in Nebraska. In that's the case, a lot of times that the close loss against Illinois, um, which is vastly different to a close loss against Oklahoma. Holding Oklahoma to 23 points is significant. Um, and I don't think Michigan – we're going to see Michigan State score into the 50s. But the running game, Kenneth Walker the third. if you don't know that name, you should. Um, been one of the best running backs in the country – and then they've had good quarterback play from Peyton Thorne. That's the thing is you they played Miami last week. They thrashed Miami. They beat him by 21. And it's not just because Kenneth Walker, although he did have 172 yards. Peyton Thorne, 261 yards, four passing touchdowns. Uh, I don't think many people had that high of expectations for Michigan State, but this is a legit squad. Um, I think they'll handle Nebraska. I think they, you know, keep it close – in general, it's not going to be a blowout, but I have Michigan State 30 to 20 covering that five point spread. Um, next, we have number 25, Kansas State, six point underdogs on the road against Oklahoma State. 
Yeah, I think this is a game that's going to really show us like how the Big 12 is going to shake out this season because Kansas State's been really good to start this year. Um, I know they beat Stanford on another 3-0, and so a couple other wins in there too. Uh, Oklahoma State, a traditionally you know pretty, pretty good football team. I do think that I'm going to take Kansas State to continue their, their hot start and cover this one. I'm going to say 31 to 21, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is the game where Oklahoma State's offense finally comes out and gets gets it moving and rolling because they haven't looked that great through the first few weeks left. Yeah, this is interesting. And I think this is definitely a case where it's based on where the game is located. I think it might even be swing six the other way um, if it, this is being played at Kansas State. Because to me, I mean, I don't know if Vegas knows something I don't. I, I haven't been impressed by Oklahoma State at all. Um, narrow win against Missouri State narrow win against Tulsa and a narrow win against Boise State. Boise State, you know, a narrow win against Boise State isn't something to be, you know, that's not alarming. I think Boise State's a good program. Shout out uh, Jackson Powers. But it's just they haven't looked right offensively. It doesn't feel like they're playing to their ability. And they just, you know, a couple years ago, that pass game was incredible. And it's just not, it's not the same. It hasn't been that. And that's not to say, you know, that they can't win. They've ran the ball well. But I just – I like this Kansas State team a lot, even with um, their starting quarterback, Skylar Howard, injured. I think that, you know, road games, it's always hard. Conference road games are challenging. But I like Kansas State. Um, I like their running back, Deuce Vaughn. Um, And, yeah, ultimately I am rocking. I believe this is the first one where I'm taking the underdog, and I'm taking them outright. Uh, Kansas State, Mm. 27 Oklahoma State, 23. Um, Next, we have West Virginia against number four, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, 16.5-point favorites. Yeah, and Oklahoma, it's just another team that's really hard to predict. I guess I keep saying that a lot. It's still early in the season, but this Oklahoma team had a couple of close wins over teams that they're just supposed to be significantly better than. And uh, I'm not sure if they're going to come out and look like that again against West Virginia or if they're going to come out and put up, you know, 50 points. Um, I'm going to have to bet on Spencer Rattler because West Virginia hasn't looked that great this year. And obviously we know what big 12 defense looks like, especially early in the season. So I'm going to take him to come out, throw three, four touchdowns, that offense to put up a lot of points and win 42 to 28, let's say. Or not, no, 42 to 21. Yeah, yeah. 42 to 21. So this is the first one, I think, where we disagree, right? Or do you you took Ruck? Well, you took Rutgers, but you took Michigan yeah. now, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, oh, and you took Arkansas. I forgot you took Arkansas. Mm. That was okay. So we've had a couple. That was one hundred percent wrong. Um, I'm taking West Virginia to cover. I'm not not crazy enough to have them win outright, but I think this West Virginia team, you know. They're not, I don't think they're a great team overall, but I think that they can hang with um, a team like Oklahoma that's just been so up and down. They have a pretty solid defense. That doesn't mean that I think that they're going to slow down Spencer Rattler and limit them to 23 points like they scored last week. Um, but I think that in general, they can keep them from scoring something like 60. Um, and I think that, you know, they have a pretty good, sol- a, a solid run game with Letty Brown. Uh, so overall, I'm digging West Virginia to cover. I don't think, you know, it's going to be cl- that close of a game, but I think keeping it two touchdowns as opposed to two touchdowns and a field goal 
um, 34-20 Oklahoma. But you know what they say, good teams win, great teams cover, which means West Virginia is a great team. There you go. Mm -hmm. um, last one on the college football slate, 21 North Carolina, 12-point favorites on the road at Georgia Tech. Yeah, this is another team I've gotten to see a good amount of football from this year. And I think Sam Howell has looked honestly phenomenal, even in their, their early struggle against Virginia Tech. I think that this is a really good UNC defense as well. Um, I think that Sam Howell will come out, probably throw for three or four touchdowns, and I don't really see Georgia Tech hanging with this team. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take North Carolina 42-17, to 17, and I'm pretty confident in that because even though the I, – I think they barely covered versus Virginia – but that offense just looks so good when they've gotten to the flow in the, the second and third quarters, middle of the game. They just look great when they were like on their stuff. And I think when North Carolina is at their best, this is a top 10 team for sure. Yeah. Um, I think I got North Carolina in this one. Kudos to Georgia Tech for keeping it close against Clemson. They gave them a scare. And I got to give credit to that defense, you know, because even with Clemson struggles to hold them to 14 points is impressive. But mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things, this North Carolina offense is finding their rhythm. Sam Howell's going to be a first-round pick. Um, and I don't think Georgia Tech's going to be able to keep up with them, especially holding in Howell. Um, I have North Carolina winning 38-22 and covering. So that'll conclude college football. Let's get into the NFL. Um, Thursday night, the Carolina Panthers are seven-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against the Houston Texans. So this is my mortal lock of the century right here for you. All right. Out of any bet I've ever placed in my life, this might be the most confident I've ever been in a bet because Tyrod Taylor out this game, Texans horrible. As soon as he left that game, looked like an absolutely awful offense. And the Panthers through two games have looked awesome defensively. They've been capable on offense. Sam Darnold's looked pretty good. I think the Panthers are going to come in here, probably win by about 14 points, but pretty easily cover that seven and a half point spread. I'm going to say 31 to 17 Carolina. Yeah. I mean, seven and a half in the NFL when you see that's a decent amount, but this Texans team, I, you know, winning week one, I think this has a lot of similarities to the, not even a lot of similarities. I think that it's going to be like Jacksonville last year. They won in the first week and didn't win again. Um, especially without Tyrod Taylor, who Tyrod Taylor looked good when he was healthy, but without Tyrod Taylor, great, I yeah. really don't see how the Texans keep this one competitive. Um, Carolina 2-0. I think they'll be 3-0 after this game. I don't know if that really means sustained long-term success, but Sam Darnold has looked good. Christian McCaffrey has looked great. The offense looked good. Defense looks young, fast. Um, so it's an intriguing Carolina team against a bad Texans team. So I think Panthers will kill them. Uh, something like 30 to 13 Panthers. And we got our big Sunday slate starting off with the Los Angeles Chargers facing off against the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs six and a half point favorites. So I took Chiefs minus six and a half, but right here I'm going to go ahead and change that because the Chargers to me are a team that historically they're just always in close games. It's been true so far through the first couple of weeks this year. I don't necessarily think they're going to win outright because Mahomes is just so great when the game's on the line. And I think this time they'll let him throw when the game's on the line after that Clyde fumble on Sunday or Monday night, whenever that was. And I think the Chargers will keep this game close, but I'll have the Chiefs win, let's say 23-17 with Herbert and the Chargers cover. Yeah, I think this will be a good game overall. It's just kind of a matter of preference in terms of where you like six and a half, if you think it's a touchdown game or under. 
Um, I opt to put my money with the Chiefs um, for a number of reasons. I mean, any chance I have to bet against the Chargers or spread hate against the Chargers, I will. But also, I just think Kansas City is going to keep the Chargers at a healthy distance. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, doing Patrick Mahomes things. The offense looked great um, against Baltimore. You know, tough loss, but I don't, I don't think there's any cause for concern. I'm not worried about them long term. I think they'll get it done. Uh, I have the Chiefs 31-22. Uh, next, we got the Washington football team, nine-point underdogs on the road against Buffalo. Yeah, that was kind of my reaction, too, a little bit here. I am surprised to see nine points anytime it's a good team involved when it's an NFL spread. And even with Heineke at quarterback, I think I have to, to lean towards the football team in this game. Because even though the Bills are pretty good at, at handedly beating bad teams usually, I, I don't think that this Washington football team is a bad enough team to be given a nine-point spread, no matter who's at quarterback, when you have a defense that's that great, especially after what we saw the Washington football team do against the Steelers week one defensively. And I think that I'm going to take Washington to cover, but not win, let's say 28 to 20. Yeah, um, you know, even if this line, which I think it may have creeped down a point or two, it still seems like a lot for a decent football team, the Washington mm-hmm. football team. Um, and I get it. It's on the road. They're down their quarterback. But I don't think, you know, Taylor Heineke looked pretty good. I don't think there's as that significant of a downgrade with him at quarterback. Um, I don't quite have the stones to take him out right but I think that they're going to keep up with Buffalo and give them a scare. I don't think that Buffalo is going to be able to roll over and win this game easily. Um, when you have that good of a defense, uh, you know, how they contain Josh Allen is going to be a big part of this game. If they can really limit him, um, force him into some turnovers, you know, he has some fumbling issues sometimes. Uh, there's a path to victory for Washington football, for the Washington football team. Um, ultimately, I'm going to take the Bills outright. Um but definitely a cover from nine, or even if it crept down to eight, seven and a half. Um, I have the Bills set 27-23. Go football team, though. Uh, next, Chicago Bears. They're starting Justin Fields this week against the Cleveland Browns. Browns, touchdown and a half point favorites. Yeah, and I got to watch this Bears team play uh, at home against Cincinnati this past week. It really was not a fun game to watch. I don't think the Bears are very good despite that win. Uh, I think they have a good defense, specifically a good front seven. Secondary, pretty weak. As soon as the Bengals started taking shots downfield, secondary started folding. But offensively, this team is literally David Montgomery. I can tell you that from watching this game. They are David Montgomery. And if he's not averaging five, six yards a carry, run for a touchdown or two, there's no chance in the hell this team covers. I have the Browns, who have looked really good. I think they're as good as people thought they were before the season I think Baker Mayfield you could argue entering elite quarterback territory give me the Browns 34 to 17 versus the Bears yeah this is one I didn't think too much about I think the Browns are gonna gonna roll the Chicago defense not not bad but I think there are just so many ways this Browns team can beat you um you know Baker I think steadily improving I wouldn't quite put him into the talking about him being a late discussion yet but it doesn't matter when you have two bruiser running backs that are just incredible, um, good offensive line to go with it. Then they have a sneaky good defense, too, that I don't think gets talked about enough. Uh, I'm super excited to see Justin Fields start. Um, 
Hopefully it's long-term, but we'll see. It seems like they're willing to go back to the red rifle if, if that's what they see fit. Um, I, I, I don't even have that much to say. I think the Browns do pretty good. I think Chicago could even get a garbage time touchdown, but the Browns, I think, will firmly be in control of this game, 29-17, to 17, covering that uh, seven-and-a-half-point spread. Next, the Baltimore Ravens, um, which I think I might have sent this to with no spread, but I got a spread for it. It's eight and a half Ravens against the Lions. Yeah, and I have the Ravens covering that. I don't feel great about it for some reason, and I don't really have a reason not to feel great about it, which is usually like the time when your gut's right, you know, and you have no reason to like doubt a bet, and you doubt it anyway, you usually end up being right. But this Ravens running game has just looked so good. For, through a couple of weeks, even with all the injuries. They just call up the next man, and I don't know how they do it. They just constantly find elite running backs, probably just the system. But no matter how you spin it, this Ravens offense is going to score a lot of points. Did it both the first couple of weeks against two solid defenses. And you could argue the Raiders have a bad defense. I don't know. But either way, I'm going to take the Ravens to cover this one, 31 to 20. Yeah, I mean, the Lions have played spurts of good football. The first half against Green Bay. Don't let it be forgotten that they were winning at halftime. Um, true. But, you know, sustaining that over a whole game, they haven't shown us that yet. They had a nice little comeback week one against the 49ers before it fell short. But what if that was their true team versus it being garbage time and, you know, a little bit of luck? I don't know. I think the Lions are going to struggle against the Ravens team that – had a big win that I think they really needed against Kansas City. Um, I think they're going to absolutely roll. I think they're going to score and score and score. I have them winning 37-17. Next, we have the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans. Titans five-point favorites. Yeah, and I'm surprised it's only at five, given that Carson once sprained not one, but both of his ankles this week. He's been hit. 40 plus times this year one of my good friends is a Colts fan and he'll tell you all about that um it's hard for me to to bet on the Titans after the start they've had although they did have a nice little bounce back last week but I just I can't in good faith not knowing what's going to happen with that Colts quarterback situation this week I can't not take uh, under a touchdown spread so give me Titans 28-21 covering the minus five yeah I mean in this one you got Indianapolis without Carson Wentz, it's hard to, you know, project what they're looking like. Um, and then a Tennessee team that was super disappointing week one, but bounced back with a huge, and I mean huge victory on the road against Seattle. That's what Oh, they Tennessee's, won. Yeah. Oh, I keep forgetting that they went to overtime and won that game because I stopped watching when I assumed it was over, like mid-third quarter. Yeah, they came all the way back and won in overtime. I think they're in a similar boat to the Baltimore Ravens where, you know, teams that are hoping to contend to make the playoffs that lost week one had tough week two matchups that I think really needed to win those games and they pulled them out. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that was a big, big win for Tennessee. The Derrick Henry factor, people forget that that's kind of how Henry works is there's some games where he's going to only run for about 60 yards. Then he's going to turn around and run for 180 and three touchdowns. Um, I think people overreacted a little bit to week one. I still think this is a super good Tennessee team. And against a Colts team, uh, banged up at quarterback. I don't, you know, they have a slew of running backs that I think can be successful, but I don't think that they're good enough to take down 
um, a good offensive team like the Titans uh, without without that quarterback position. So I do have the Titans. I have them covering as well, um, 26-17. Next, we have the New Orleans Saints uh, field goal underdog against the New England Patriots. Yeah, and the Saints are definitely a confusing team. You know, it's hard to tell if if they just had a, a good week one and aren't that great, or if the Panthers are as good as they've looked through the first couple weeks. And as a diehard Jameis Winston believer, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to hope that it's the the former and that the Saints are gonna be a pretty good football team this year. I think that they're probably gonna bounce back, throw three, four touchdowns on this Patriots defense. I think Mac Jones will probably have a pretty good game, but I don't see the Patriots quite being near covering here i'm going to take the saints 28 to 17 interesting interesting i like um, that saints I, offense if they're healthy well uh, yeah i don't even know what the saints offense is um uh, i think long term i do like Jameis. i think that he's probably somewhere in between throwing five touchdowns against green bay and struggling immensely against carolina um and i think that these are two teams that i don't know um, it's very different if this was being played um, in New Orleans or if this was being played neutral site or if it's being played in New England. I think the fact that it's being played in New England sways me a little bit towards the Patriots. They didn't look for, you know, they beat up on the Jets. But I, uh, as someone who watched that game intently, um, I think a lot of their success was handed to them by our quarterback, Zach Wilson, and their place for improvement. Mac Jones has played well, but I think a lot of that has to do with that he's, you know, I think bottom five in, uh, you know, average pass attempt uh, in terms of yardage, you know, he's not being asked to throw it super far, um, but I also think, you know, it's all about he's played well, but he's not being asked to do an incredible amount. Um, Mm. Ultimately, though, I think Patriots defense um, is the X factor. I think they get some big stops. I think they get a little bit from their run game. Um, Damian Harris, you know, him and Mac Jones were actually people, it's more of a specific Alabama thing, but him and Mac Jones were like best friends in Alabama, even though Mac was like the third string while Damian was still there, they were best friends. And now that they're both in New England, it's just kind of funny because they were such good friends at Alabama while Damian was like the starting running back and Mac was an afterthought. Uh, <laughs> random tidbit. Uh, in the end, though, that random tangent, I have the Patriots winning and covering. I think it'll be a super close game. Um, I have them covering by just over a point, so I have it 24-20 pats. Next game, Atlanta Falcons and New York Giants. I think that this is probably the worst game on the slate we'll probably see all season. I think these are two bottom five, if not bottom two teams in the NFL. Um, this game was hard for me to pick just because of that. Cause I think both, well, I think the giants offense is horrible. And then I think the Falcons defense is horrible and then their inverses just aren't that great either. But because of Saquon Barkley, I think finally going to be being back at full, like go getting 20 to 25 touches, something like that. I think the giants will edge this one out. I'm going to say it's 17, 13 and they're covering cause it's three. But, you know, I, I really could see it going either way. I probably wouldn't touch this game. I won't watch this game either. I can tell you that. That's my main takeaways. I wouldn't touch this game, and this will not be one of the primary games I am watching. Um, and I, I was going to say in less fantasy, but I think I feel like I think Mike Davis might be the only player in any of my leagues that I have on either of these two teams because they're just not 
not great teams. And I think the Giants, it's weird. They're somewhere in between. Like some people have had them winning the division, which I, I never understood that hype. I don't understand. I really don't understand Daniel Jones hype. I just don't think he's proven that much. Um, mm-hmm. And the offense, sure, they added Kenny Galladay, but when you still have Jason Garrett calling the plays, we have Saquon recovering from a torn ACL. When you have a not incredible offensive line, you don't, you know, it doesn't just get fixed like that. Um, ultimately, though, the defense of the Atlanta Falcons is really bad. And that's, that's what, you know, when you were saying weighing the pros of, or weighing the difference between the Giants offense versus Atlanta's defense and even the inverses, uh, I think the Giants have the advantage. I think the Giants will have probably their most successful offensive game of the year. I'm scoring 31 and covering this game, 31-23 Giants. Um, definitely, definitely the worst game on the slate. Um, next, we have Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers, four and a half point favorites. Cooper, what are you going to say here? I don't even – you know, dude, I love to defend my team to the grave every year. And usually, usually we're worse than we are this year. I'm just going to say it like that. Usually we are. But this is probably the most down I've ever been on a Bengals team three weeks into a season before because the coaching staff has showed for now two two seasons and two games that they have maybe the worst situational football management in the NFL. Zach Taylor is just – he went for it fourth and one. Well, this is – let me tell you the story. Week one against the Vikings. Fourth and one on his own 30, up 21 to three. Zach Taylor goes for it gets stuffed, punts, Vikings come back, force overtime. We should have lost or tied that game, but Dalvin Cook gets an unlucky call, goes the other way. Bengals should be 0-2 is basically my point. Right now, we're heading in to play a Steelers defense that looked great week one. You know, they I was caught off guard last week. I thought they – Cooper, are you with us? And I'm going to say it's really ugly and just not fun to watch at all. But I'll be watching every minute. You already know. I think you may have cut out for a sec. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. I think you cut out on my own for a second, but I believe you took you took I, the so, Steelers. Yeah, I'm taking the Steelers 28-21. I just – I can't – first off, I wouldn't bet on a Bengals game ever because that's bad, you know, bad. Sorry, I don't know. We cut what's... out again. What? We cut out again. We good? We're we're good. Yeah, there was okay. a little cutout for a second, but in case I don't know how the audio is going to end up playing out. Despite his love of his football team, his football team being the Cincinnati Bengals, he's taking the Steelers, and the main thing is never bet on the Bengals for or against. Would be his advice and my advice. It's just not teams like the Bengals, teams like my Jets, who we'll talk about later. Just you don't want anything involved with the horrible, horrible teams. Mm. Um, I also have the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers are weird. I think the Steelers are going to be the team that I pick. Um, if I pick them to win, they lose. If I pick them to lose, they win. I think they're my team this year. Last year was the Rams. I always pick the Rams, like, gauntlet of NFC West games wrong, the wrong way. Um, week one, I had them losing. They won. And I guess, you know, this was probably general consensus. Most people had the Bills, and most people had them beating the Raiders in week two. But when mm-hmm. it happens opposite like that, you know, it's just it's an interesting start. Um, I do yeah. think that they will take care of the Cincinnati Bengals pretty well. Um, 
I, I just, the Bengals, you mentioned it, like kudos to them for staying in that game against the uh, Vikings and pulling it out, but it didn't necessarily feel like a great victory. Like they were, you know, they were winning the whole game, but just the way they blew it at the end. It just, just they, they didn't, it, it didn't look like a, it wasn't a complete performance is the main yeah. thing. I'm trying to get away from that. And the Steelers, yeah. you know, disappointing loss to, uh, to Derek Carr and the Raiders. But do I think that was, you know, do I think that that means that they're going to be struggling long-term um, defense-wise? Uh, no, I think the defense is going to be fine. I think the offense I'm still concerned about because I think when you have Big Ben at quarterback, your upside's very limited. Um, but I think they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit with Najee Harris. I think that they have the playmakers at receiver to make plays, especially in a game against the Bengals. Uh, Pittsburgh will cover. They'll win this game pretty easily. I'm sorry, Cooper. Um, 27-13 Steelers. We'll see. We're back if we win, just so you know. Yeah. Yeah, look, we're back. I'm I'm a I'm a Bengals fan for right now. I'm trust mm. trust me. I'm 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 for the Bengals. You're you're on this week. I'm rooting for the Bengals. Just <laughs> just trying to be to you know give my objective take. No, for sure, for sure. Um, next we have the Arizona Cardinals, seven and a half point road favorites against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, the Cardinals have looked like a really good football team through this first couple of weeks. I went ahead and took them here minus seven and a half. I think the Jaguars are going to get better as the season goes on. They'll probably start covering some of these games as we get into, I don't know, like October, November. But for now, I think that they're still figuring it out. I think Trevor Lawrence is still figuring it out. And I think this Cardinals team has just looked too complete through a couple of weeks. I think Kyler Murray is probably going to go crazy this game continue you know debatably his mvp case we'll see how that turns out especially if the cardinals keep winning but i'm gonna go ahead and take the cardinals 35 to 24 to cover this one yeah i mean talk about a great start for the cardinals you win that game in tennessee you keep it rolling last week um you get this matchup against a young jacksonville team uh i don't wanna i don't know i would call this on the law honestly Carolina, Houston, I think I would call the lock of the week. But I guess the lock of Sunday. I like Arizona a lot here because mm-hmm. Jacksonville just hasn't looked good. And for all the hate that Zach Wilson's getting for his four interception game, which I'll I'll talk, we'll talk about that in a game later. Um, and it deserves hate. You throw four interceptions, throw four interceptions. Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence has done the same. Trevor Lawrence has thrown, I believe, what, five interceptions? Six? Yeah, two games. Yeah. Um, he is not. He hasn't, he hasn't looked great. He's made some good throws with that being said. You know, I think that's the one thing about rookie quarterbacks is you really got to look at all of it. And even with any quarterback um, to be defined by interceptions, it's, it's weird. I mean, I could go off on a whole tangent about how interceptions aren't, don't necessarily always correlate with making great throws. Box scores don't always tell the full story if a ball's tipped or if you're making bad throws and they're just deflected. The point, my main point, is that Trevor Lawrence is still a work in progress. His team does not look good. Um, you know, Urban Meyer, I don't I don't think he's going to bolt for the USC job necessarily, but I, I don't even know how long he's going to be around there with the way the team is. I don't think he's cut out for the NFL. James Robinson's their leading rusher through two games, but he, that's on 16 carries for 72 yards. Um, and you, when you have a rookie quarterback and that's that's the case, you're not, you're not going to win. The defense isn't good. I mean, they got throttled two weeks ago by a bad, a bad Texans team. And look, I guess credit to Tyrod Taylor, but 37 to them, 
not good. And I mean, yeah. not, I, I just, I don't see it with this Jacksonville team. I think they fall to 0 and 3. Cardinals move to 3 and 0. I'm winning 38 23. Um, next, my New York Jets are 11 point underdogs on the road against Denver Broncos. Yeah, this is, like you said earlier, this is another game I don't know if I would touch just because with a bad team, no offense, like the New York Jets, you never know if they're just going to come out and cover just for the hell of covering or if they're going to look as bad as, in my opinion, they are. And if I had to pick one way, I would probably go Broncos minus 11 here. I think Teddy Bridgewater has looked surprisingly good through a couple of weeks. Not that he's a bad quarterback, but I think he's looked, you know, above average even, I'd say, through a couple of games. Um, They have a really good defense. Uh, the Jets do not have a very good offense, it looks like, through the start of this season. We'll see if it's Zach Wilson gets his footing about him. I really did like him as a prospect. I still do. I think he's just, you know, a couple games into the year figuring it out. But give me the Broncos in this one, 31 to 13. But I won't be surprised if the Jets score a couple garbage time touchdowns, maybe we keep this thing close and cover. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm a Jets fan. If you're listening to this, you know I'm a Jets fan. Um, it was a brutal performance against the Patriots, but not as brutal as people want to make it out to be because through all of that, the Patriots' offense really didn't look that great. Mac Jones, 22 of 30, but 186 yards. You know, that's not that's what I was kind of alluding to. It's not necessarily throwing the ball that much. They didn't even run it that much, you know. They had 24 carries for 100 yards. Um, nothing super significant overall. I think this Jets defense looked overall pretty impressive, and a lot of New England's points were mainly just a result of Zach Wilson's turnovers. And even on the offensive side, I mean, brutal day for Zach Wilson, tough day for our top free agent acquisition, Corey Davis, two catches for eight yards, including um, a ball through his hands that led to one of those interceptions. But also you had rookie uh, running back Michael Carter have some explosive runs. The offensive line still not great, especially when you don't have Makai Becton, but it certainly looked better. Um, there were good things to see, and I think the biggest thing of those is the Jets' defense. The Jets' rookie cornerbacks playing well. Um, I've talked about how they're probably college teams that have more talented quarterbacks, but they've played well. Um, the second Michael Carter, Michael Carter the second, he's been phenomenal. Um, and same with that group of cornerbacks and two, I think that's sustainable through the whole year where they're able to limit the pass game. No, but um, I think it speaks to uh, the improvement. I think some of the coaching staff, um, a little bit of that Robert Sala effect on the defense with all of that being said, I think that Zach Wilson's gonna, you know, find his footing a little more. I think that he's going to make some better throws. I still think he might turn the ball over, um, but I think that they're going to be able to keep this a somewhat competitive game. Um, and I think when it comes down to 11, um, just based on that number, I think I'll take the Jets to cover. I'll say that they lose by 10, uh, 27, 17 Broncos. What's with this Broncos schedule? They've played the Giants, Jaguars, and Jets through three weeks. Oh yeah. That that's, it's an incredible start. And wouldn't say Carolina is pretty similar too. I guess they, yeah, I mean, they, do, they handle a, a respectable Saints team, but you know, same same thing. Yeah. That doesn't mean doesn't guarantee that success, but just the way the NFL works, you banking on these wins, it's it's a great. And I mean, when you look mm. at their schedule, they don't the Broncos schedule. They don't play the Chiefs until until December. They play the Chiefs December fifth, 
and the last game of the year, uh, 1-9. So they got to, you know, if they can bank these wins, they there's a shot. I mean, after that, they, they, get, a, they get a gauntlet of the Ravens and Steelers, yeah. Raiders, Browns, Washington. You know, they end up playing their good teams. But, yeah, this is a great start for them that they – they need to be. They need to win this game. But uh, yeah. Next we have Miami Dolphins and the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders um, initially three and a half point favorites. I'll check that because of the injury to Tua Tagovailoa. That's only raised to four. Um, but yeah, three and a half point favorites. Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, with that injury to Tua, this kind of becomes a no brainer for me because this Raiders offense has looked surprising good just as a unit honestly Derek Carr's look great but just the whole cohesive unit including this receiver core that people thought was going to be pretty bad this year we didn't know what to expect from the running game because they added Drake he's looked great um I think the Raiders are going to come out score a good amount of points obviously the Dolphins have a nice little defense but I don't think their offense is going to be able to keep up with Vegas give me the Raiders 24 13. yeah um Finding the scoring to this is interesting, but ultimately, um, I got to take the Raiders. There it seems like there are a lot. There are too many games that feel like locks that they're just going to be some incredible upsets. But um, without Tua, the Dolphins looked horrible, and that's even with the criticism of Tua and their offense not looking great in general. Um, but I think Vegas in, in that same vein has looked really good. Um, I think Derek Carr is a solid quarterback that's consistently, you know been getting it done doesn't always get the respect that he deserves and I think that this Vegas team is going to put it together um play a good game I think they're even you know the Dolphins defense is still legit I think but I think this might be a little bit of an off week um I think the Raiders get it done um I don't know is Josh I don't know if is there any update on if Josh Jacobs is playing this week um I'm not sure but either way I That's like what that I was going to say is I think with or without, obviously you want, you want Josh Jacobs, the more guys, the better. Yeah. Um, but I think either way, either way, I would expect them to win this game. I have them winning 30 to 17. Hopefully Tua will be back soon, but with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, the offense just is, does not look good. Um, so it's gonna, you know, that'd be a tough start for Miami. We'll see how they bounce back. But look, it's it's possible. The for the Raiders' good start, we, you know, I don't think the Raiders are gonna be able to sustain that play necessarily. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, next game, Seattle Seahawks one point favorites against the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, this Seahawks team, you know, I apparently I just learned earlier in this episode, it isn't two and a one and one. Though they've looked pretty good offensively. Tyler Lockett's had some big time touchdowns. Russell Wilson still looks like Russell Wilson, so that's obviously a good sign for Seahawks fans. But my history professor is a big-time Seahawks fan and thinks they're going to get smacked by the Vikings this week. So even though my gut tells me to take Seahawks minus one, I'm going to listen to his argument that they have no run defense and that Dalvin Cook's going to run for 150 yards and a couple of touchdowns. I'm going to go Vikings in a low score, 17-14 which is a little bit of a surprise, I think, because I feel like a lot of the money is going to be on Seattle here. You know, I suppose that your professor makes a fair argument considering what they gave up to Derrick Henry and how talented Dalvin Cook is. But I don't think that, I don't think that, you know, Minnesota's defense is going to be able to hold Seattle that much. They gave up 
you know, 27 to the Bengals in overtime, 34 to a good Cardinals offense. But I think this is a really good Seattle offense, too. Um, Russell Wilson's doing his thing. He hasn't been – he's been good. He hasn't been his weird, exceptional Russ where he's throwing, like, feels like 700 yards and 20 touchdowns a game at the beginning of the year, then trailing off. But, I mean, look, he's looked good. Um, Running-wise, Chris Carson getting it done. You know their receivers. You got Lockett. You got DK. Um, this is just an explosive offense, and that's what it comes down to me for, um, is I think that these are similar teams in certain regards um, that I don't love either of their defenses in general, but I think Seattle has more firepower in the passing game, and that's what, if it comes down to, you know, the value of Russell Wilson and their receivers um, versus Kirk Cousins and their receivers, and then, or, Dalvin Cook versus Chris Carson, I'm going with the Seahawks um, because I think – I just – I think the Seahawks offense in general is more explosive on the road. It's challenging. Um, a Vikings team that, that's 0-2, are they going to be motivated to get that win? Um, are they going to shut down and, and get blown out? I don't yeah, know. It's pretty much must win at this point, you know? You got it, especially – I mean, after this, they play the Browns next week too. You lose this one. Um, that will be a tough start. And obviously they get some relief in the Lions at some point, but even then you don't know. Um, this is a, this is a team that really, they play to the level of their competition. We saw that week one and their loss to the Bengals. No offense. Bengals. Bengals are better. Actually. Bengals, I'm ready to discuss that. But. I mean, the, the, the point remains, this is a team that consistently plays to the level of their competition. Yeah. I agree. Lose to the Bengals. And then they keep up with the, with a, good Cardinals team or so we think a good high powered offense. They scored 33 points, but I don't know when it comes down to it. I like Russell Wilson more than, more than I like Kirk cousins. I like Seattle in general. I think that they're just the better team and ultimately they're going to come out on top on the road and it's a one point spread. So it's essentially, essentially a pick them. Uh, I have Seattle winning 31, 27. Next we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, when I looked at this, the line was even. Hmm. I think that's about right because I think so far these have been two of, if not the two best teams in football through a couple of weeks this season. I think that this is going to be a probably pretty high scoring matchup. I think it'll be close for sure. But my gut tells me Rams here. I just love that Rams defense, the star power they have there. And then the way that Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup have connected on offense this year has just been insane. That offense looks deadly. It looks about as deadly as I thought it would when I took Matthew Stafford to be my MVP in fantasy football. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take the Rams 31 to 28 in a good game. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is the game, best game of the week for sure. Um, the Buccaneers, they've looked the part in defending their title, the close game against Dallas. But I think Dallas is a good team, too. Um, and then they took care of business against a not good Atlanta team. Uh, meanwhile, the Rams, you know, they took Chicago to the cleaners on Sunday night football, um, played a fairly close game against the, against the Colts, but it was a weird game where, you know, they gave up, I think, you know, they lost a touchdown because, um, of a bad snap. Yeah, it was, it was, there was, they were punting and it hit the up man and, uh, Tennis or not Tennessee, Indianapolis recovered in the end zone scored. Ultimately, I think they, you know, played even better than the fact that it was just a field goal difference in the game. Um, I think Matt Stafford looked good. 
Um, Cooper Cup looking incredible. Robert Woods, obviously. Um, the get Tyler Higby a little more involved uh, as well. That's not me saying that because he's my fantasy tight end in the league. That's just my objective opinion. Um, running game, uh, Daryl Henderson looked pretty good. Um, hopefully he's healthy. I think that's a big thing. Sony Michelle was able to get carries. He got up to 10, but it seems like it, especially based on what their workload was week one, um, they expect Henderson to be the primary back. Um, so I think it'll be super helpful if he's healthy for this weekend. We'll see. Um, but yeah, these are two teams that have played well, two teams with good offenses, good defenses. That will, that's what makes good teams. Um, the Rams are the home team though. And I'm, I'm loving the Matthew Stafford train right now. I think him and Cooper Cup keep that connection. Um, and honestly, the it's a great Tampa Bay defense, and one man doesn't make a unit. But, I mean, look, how can you not say that Aaron Donald's the X factor when he's the best player on the field? Um, I think maybe he makes a play, um, gets it done. And in a close game, I don't know if it's going to be a field goal to end it, touchdown you know if it's throwing a Hail Mary at the end but I have the Rams winning 31-30 and what I think will be one of the best games of the year mm-hmm. I'm excited to watch that one that should be a really good one I mean we saw we were treated like a Kansas City and Baltimore was incredible I think that you know that could end up being the game of the year with how back and forth that was with the amount of incredible plays I think mm-hmm. this will be very similar um the last game on Sunday, Sunday night football, we have the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers. Niners, three and a half point favorites. Yeah, it's three and a half. Okay, so, I, you know, I'm interested to, to try and understand why this is the Sunday night game because this is a great matchup. These are two really good teams. I just would have assumed Rams-Bucks would have gotten it. But either way, um, I like both these teams. I think it'll be a high-scoring game. I really like both these offenses and both these head coaches but I'm going to go with the 49ers here to cover three and a half. I think let's say 35, 31, but I wouldn't be surprised to see either team end up with a game winning touchdown in the last couple of minutes. I think it'll be a really fun game to watch, honestly, and probably one of the better games of the week, if not the best, depending on how that Rams bucks game goes. Yeah. I think this is, you know, another really good game up there for one of the good best games of the week. You know, there's, there are plenty of good games, Los Angeles, Kansas city, I think Washington-Buffalo will be a good game. Um, Obviously, Tampa-Los Angeles. I think Seahawks-Minnesota should be a pretty high-scoring, fun game. Um, I In this one, though, I like the Packers. I think what we saw from the Packers week two is a lot more of what they are than what they played like against the Saints when they lost by five touchdowns. Um, And for San Francisco, you know, their offense – Looked really good against the Lions, but they scored 17 points against a Philadelphia defense that I don't think is that great overall. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo was efficient, but he threw for, you know, like 180 yards on 22 passes, had one touchdown. Okay, but the running game, they were super banged up. Elijah Mitchell um, was leading rusher at 17 carries for 42 yards. They keep, you know, they keep losing guys. Even I believe Trey Sermon's first carry might have fumbled. Um, actually, I, I, I think that was, I feel like it might've, I, I don't remember, I don't remember if that's true or not, but, um, when it comes down to it, I think San Francisco's offense is going to struggle a little bit. Uh, I think they'll still make plays in the grand scheme of things. I think they'll score enough to keep up. Um, but in, I like green Bay's offense. 
offensive success outweighing San Francisco's defensive success, if that makes any sense. Um, Aaron Jones looked absolutely ridiculous on Sunday night or Monday night. Um, I think that's going to continue. I think he's going to be a big focal point. You know, they brought him back for a reason. Um, And that three-headed monster of Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams, I think it's going to rear its head. And when it comes down to it, I think that's going to be the difference in this game that, you know, big players make big plays and uh, that offense has them. And I don't think San Francisco quite has um, the same personnel to match up. So I have the Packers winning uh, 35-27, go Pack. And then we move on to our final game, Monday night, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys are four-point favorites. Yeah, this is, you know, a lot of these games I've said have been hard to pick, but this is another one that felt a little difficult. I was really, really high on the Cowboys after week one. They slowed me down last week. They reminded me, you know, why there's some question marks defensively, that they're pretty thin. The injury bug starts to hit them too. But, you know, in that situation, or that's all like theoretical. In this situation, the Cowboys minus four seems like the easy pick to me. For that reason, it feels like it isn't the right pick, but I'm still going to make it. And I'm going to go Cowboys minus four. Dak's going to throw like five touchdowns. Cowboys win 38 to 28. Yeah, the Cowboys had an interesting week two game um, against the Chargers. Dak, you know, I think if you look at the stats, didn't it didn't look that great. But I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Cowboys really didn't even get that many opportunities on offense. The Chargers, if I look at the time of possession, it felt like they had it all game. Um, I want to look at this. Interesting. Yeah. Um, wow. It only ended up being about a, a less than a minute difference. It didn't feel like it. But I think that was also predicated on the fact that Dallas ran the ball a lot. Um, Tony Pollard had 13 carries. He was leading rusher 109 yards and a touchdown. Um, Zeke, 71 yards and a touchdown on 16 carries. Um, I think, you know, that was a big reason they ran the ball well and you can run the ball well. Um, you don't need your quarterback throwing it that many times, I suppose. But 23 of 27, 237 yards in, in one pick. Um, I wouldn't be alarmed by that stat line. I think that's an example of it. You know, stat lines not telling all of it because it was just a matter of no touchdowns because when they, when they got in the red zone, they were running the ball because it was working. Um, but overall, Dak looked good. He looked healthy. Um, he didn't look any different than the guy who threw for 400 yards and three touchdowns against the defending champions defense. Um, so I think he's going to look like that again. I think this offense is going to be great. Um, look, Tony Pollard getting better and better every game. Me and me and Jackson Powers said that he's going to continue to take carries away from Zeke. And I don't know if he's going to be the point where he is the starter, but I think his versatility um, his skill set is just so much more valuable than what Zeke's is right now um, with his ability to catch, with his speed, with his – He's ability. more explosive. He's, he's, sure. more, he's more explosive, and that's not to say that Zeke doesn't have a role, but it just speaks to the fact of why you don't extend and pay your running back significant money, especially mm-hmm. in the case of Zeke, who had had so much wear and tear through college and through his first couple of years in the NFL. But that's a whole different discussion. My ultimate point is the Cowboys – Close game against the Chargers still looked pretty good. Um, on the other side, Philadelphia, disappointing loss against San Francisco where the offense really didn't show up. Uh, but I don't think it was necessarily because Jalen Hurts played bad. Uh, it just feels like there's not a lot for him to work with. He was 12 of 23, uh, 190 yards. Obviously, 
Um, not incredible, but not not horrific when you don't turn the ball over. Um, that's important. Uh, he was their leading rusher too. Ten carries, eighty-two yards, and a touchdown. That's the Jalen Hurts effect. Is he can run that ball? But the issue with that is that that means that their leading running back, Miles Sanders, had thirteen carries for fifty-five yards, which isn't going to get it done. They need more from Miles Sanders. Um, Weapons-wise, you know, they're it feels like they have a array of solid guys, but they don't have a true you know, top receiver, obviously Quez Watkins had the long, you know, 90 some yard catch that Jalen Hurts threw a beautiful ball from the end zone for. But after that, you know, uh, it, Dallas Goddard's solid, Zach Ertz obviously serviceable, but Devontae Smith is a rookie. It's going to be hard to expect him to shoulder that whole load. Jalen Rager, just two catches for five yards. Uh, it's, I think it's a lot more about the weapons and the offensive line playing well than it is about Jalen Hurts. Because Jalen Hurts, I think, overall has played solid so far. So um, we'll see. But ultimately, I like the Cowboys in this one. Um, I think that they'll take care of business. Um, you never know with that defense. You know, they seem to be prone to big plays that really can change the game. But I think they'll handle it. I have the Cowboys winning 31-21. to 21. And, yeah, that'll conclude this week of both college football and the NFL um games wise coop do you have anything to add anything you want to say um college wise um, i'm just gonna say you know go Bengals. hopefully joe burrow can stay up this week throw a couple touchdown passes make it a fun game and uh go pack that's all yep. i got for you though yep um thank you for having me on of course i will have you on anytime this is a great week every week of football is a great week but this this is a great week um, and I think this is really where both in the NFL and college, you're starting to get a feel for what these teams really are, especially college. You're starting to get into conference matchups, A&M versus Arkansas specifically, even Rutgers versus Michigan. Um, and then in the NFL, it's at the point where really every game matters in terms of seeking, you know, looking for the postseason, a team like the Vikings, you don't want to fall in that hole. Um, we get a great matchup in the Buccaneers and Rams. I think there are a lot of different storylines to be seen here. Um, and I'm just super excited. You'll find me on my couch all of Saturday, Sunday, and after school, I'll be on the couch for Monday night football on Monday. You already um, know. It's the lifestyle. Come on, man. It is the lifestyle. Saturdays and Sundays in the fall. What, what else would you be doing? That's like, mm-hmm. um, uh, what is it? John Rothstein, you know, the big college basketball guy on Twitter, if you guys don't know, uh, he's always talking about how, you know, obviously March Madness, he's always saying we sleep in May because April's when March Madness primarily occurs. Um, crazy guy. And he's always saying about how, you know, if people have planned their weddings during, you know, the month of April or during March Madness, he's not going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just funny because I feel like it's like for most people, I, when I think of it, it's like you can't do it on a weekend in the fall because there's fun. yeah Sunday Sunday especially for me always been a big NFL guy yeah I feel like I don't know if it's just I feel like maybe it's just the, like the Judaism of me is that whenever there was um like a bar bat mitzvah you know because those are on Saturdays like it just sucked in the fall because it's like oh, I don't want to yeah. go to that I'd rather watch <laughs> I'd rather watch college football or if I'm there you know I'm on my phone yeah um, as, a, as a Christian you know, I can't relate, but Sunday morning, you get it over before the game at one. So close. Yeah. Well, and see, that that's the thing is, I love, I guess, you know, maybe we don't need to go too far into this, but I love the football <laughs> schedule on the West Coast. I think it's the best 
You get to wake up on uh, on Saturday at nine in the morning. There's already football on. Um, and then you get football all the way through the primetime games or, you know, four thirty five, um, and you get to see those games. And then, especially when you think about it regionally, those games are over and then you get your pack 12 games after, and they're reasonable times, you know, usually, you know, six or seven, our time, uh, you get those over with, and it, it's beautiful versus on the East coast, which sure the main argument for the East coast is that. You get to sleep in more. The games don't start till noon. But why not have college football all day? Because the thing is with the East Coast, you don't have the games in the morning. And the ripple effect of that is that you get to you miss all of the games on the West Coast. And granted, in general, the West Coast games aren't always as important um, nationally as the as the rest of the slate. But you know, the Pac-12 after dark thing is true. Crazy things happen out west. And it's very unfortunate that that's happening at, you know, one, two in the morning. That's just mm. like, I couldn't especially in basketball for that. They just go crazy basketball. Yeah. I mean, the pack 12 after dark, it, it is a real thing and it's, it's a mm. shame. And that's the thing is in sports in college sports. I don't think that there's any denying that there's a, that there's a East coast bias because simply put the games on the West coast often are so late that, People aren't going to see him through. It's like when Bleacher. I mean, sports in general. Yeah, sports in general. But like when Bleacher Report does their, you know, weekly college football roundup, like takeaways and things, they do it Saturday night while the Pac-12 games are still going. It's just because everything's Mm. so East Coast centric that you lose out on those great West Coast games. So that is my argument for why football in the West Coast is the best. Mm. I don't know if you have a rebuttal for pro East Coast, but. Yeah, I mean, I just like getting my stuff out of the way in the morning, sleeping in. But I've definitely had that thought, too, before where I'd be like, dang, it would be nice to get up at nine and have football all day. You know, I think it's it's there are benefits both ways. It depends on if you're a morning person or a night person. That's the one thing is it's nice in the NFL that I like the 10 o'clock start. I think college at 10 would be perfect because then realistically, like. If I'm, if I'm watching football, I can get up at, you know, 9, 9.30, eat some food, be awake, and football's on, versus at 9, you're kind of, you know, 9, 9 o'clock kickoffs, especially if you're trying to sleep in, you're not going to be able to get that much extra sleep. But who needs sleep when you have college football? It's like the college football. So <laughs> we sleep in January. We sleep in February. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Exactly. Uh. And that'll just about conclude this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Um, as always, make sure to check out the blog, theredshirt.wigsite.com, um, as well as if you're listening to this, you know, you know the, the podcast can be found at the Red Shirt Podcast on Spotify, the Instagram, at the.redshirt. Um, follow there. I'll always be posting when there are new podcasts, new blogs. Follow the Twitter, at the Red Shirt blog, uh, usually posting links to these things. Um, as well as occasionally just some of my genuine sports takes. Um, and also, if you go to the link in my bio of my Instagram, at the.redshirt, it should also be in my Twitter bio, but mainly the Instagram I'm more active on. You can get all of these links. You don't have to memorize any of this. You click that on that link tree, um, and you can find it all. So there's that. Um, Cooper, I forgot to ask, do you have any shameless plugs? I'll do a little, I'll do a little plug. Yeah. It's cooper.lighter on Instagram and then change the dot to an underscore on Snapchat. Cool. You guys know where to find Cooper. Um, If you don't know where to find me, 
I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. You haven't been paying attention if they don't know where you got, to find you. Got, you you got to know where to find me. There are plenty of places to find me. I this mean, is the guy. Come on, now. I'm, I'm like, yeah, like, come on. You're, you're listening to this. I hope you know where to find me. And if you don't, <laughs> rewind a couple minutes, you can find that. And I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you from there. But um, that'll just about conclude. That will conclude this episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in.